Alright, welcome back to Movie Hal, everybody. This time, I, Ryan, and my intrepid cohort, Joe, will be discussing a movie that I may have had a distorted memory of called Darkman. Uh, last time I saw this was, I believe, a VHS copy that I probably still have somewhere, but it's available to rent on, I don't know, Apple, whatever, Apple TV, probably Amazon, probably some other places. You can I got it on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's just get into it. I wanted to hear this movie's from 1990, starring Liam Neeson. And I really am interested the whole time I was watching. it, I was like, wow, I don't I mean, I remember it all. But I really wonder what Joe's going to think of it. <laughs> Not wow. seeing it as like a very, very young person on VHS, like 20 something years ago. OK, yeah, I are right, Halligans. I just finished watching 1990s Dark Man starring Liam Neeson. Like, I don't know, three minutes ago. I thought I had seen this before. I do not believe that I had. Um, it was interesting to see a young, both young Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. Now, we watched Francis McDormand in that Nomadland movie. I got to be yeah. honest. I, I think I would have preferred. I mean, I know she did like some a naked scene in the Nomadland movie. I think I'd have preferred it here as the young Francis McDormand, but the R rating that it got, no, there wasn't any of that, which is okay. You didn't need it for this movie. Um, okay, I don't. Oh, all right. First off, one of the very first things that I felt with this movie in the very opening scene of it, and I know Tim Burton's Batman came out a year before this did, but when you're talking timelines of movies this i am sure was filming and in production and many other things going on with it long before batman by tim burton the original with michael keaton was out like they were working on it before 1989 it takes a little while to do some movies even if it was in 1987 88 they were doing it before then but this felt especially with the music in the beginning, very Batman-like. Yes. Um, I know... I feel like this is trying to be, or at the time, was trying to be a superhero movie. I don't feel like it is that. I feel like the purpose of it is a... It's a movie about a man who, who loses everything, and in that losing is fundamentally changed. Now, in this, it's it's about physicality. He has changed physically and mentally uh, because there's a scene with the doctor after he's horrifically burned and kind of maimed that they talk about a surgery. And part of the surgery, you're because you can no longer feel like touch, sensory touch, that feeling is gone so that you're not screaming for the rest of your life from the horrible pain of the burns that you got that other things are amplified rage and emotion and things like that. So I think this movie what and I was before I even watched this, I did notice when I looked up dark man where I could find it, that it was directed by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. So Raimi's done some good stuff. Like yeah, that is not an unknown that. name to I, you know, any of you, I'm sure, to Ryan and I, or I. So I, I had at least a little bit of hope for this. And I believe this was a movie trying to show 
the pain and anguish of everything this man lost kind of in a facade of a superhero-esque movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you look it up, it... It, a lot of sources do refer to it as a like superhero horror film. As far as I can tell, this was not a comic before the movie. There does appear to have been a series that came out in like 93 based on it, but it was a limited run thing. Yes. Uh, apparently looking some stuff up, Sam Raimi originally wanted to base this movie on the, sh- the shadow, which is a comic and mm. had to create the character of dark men, dark man when he couldn't obtain the rights um, so that's kind of where this came from. I don't, I don't want to talk about And when, just so everybody knows, we're just going to talk about this movie. It's 32 years, years old. old. Yeah. So it is what it is. I'm not going to really go off on things like special effects in this movie. <sighs> I guess we could. Because there were a lot of things that weren't great as far no, as that was concerned. There was a lot that wasn't great. There was a lot that, like, while I was watching it, because again, I think like the CRT and the VHS hid some of the flaws when I first saw it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I was thinking like, oh, you know, like the the scene where he's got the guy's head up through the manhole cover in traffic, yeah. like good scene. It's a scene where Darkman is interrogating somebody. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, you know, there are some great lines in this movie, but the guy is like, but I, I told you everything. And he goes, OK, I know. But let's pretend you didn't. And he <laughs> just shoves his head up through this thing. So his head will get hit by a car. And it's this uncanny thing that they used to have with these like mannequins and things that they would use in situations oh, like God. that. And I started thinking like, well, I mean, it doesn't look any worse than uh, like in uh, Raiders or something where the faces are melting and it's like mannequins and stuff. Yeah. I mean, but that's a much older movie. And like even some of the effects in monster squad looked better than the effects in this. Yeah. Some of this was real bad, but (laughs) uh, there's a lot. Okay. So trying to separate myself from that. We're 30 plus years past stuff like that. So I just want to look at this for, the movie that that it was supposed to try to be okay and, and i will i do want to interject that i thought the same thing like it really really had strong 89 batman vibes and part of that is because it's danny elfman doing the music for it yes. so like that there's some stuff that reminded me of nightmare before christmas there's there's just certain sounds that are mm-hmm. you know very much of that time and of him so Agreed. I don't know if it's that it sounds like Batman or that all of those just sound like Danny Elfman music. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think that's a fair point to make. So the very beginning of this movie. Oh, my God. All right. So I don't even know what his name is. They don't mention it. There's this um, black guy who is some gang leader. And he's dressed nice and he's talking to somebody on a phone and he's like cussing him out. And the the thug bad guy leader guy who's throughout this the rest of this movie he he shows up with his boys mm-hmm. but this black guy sends all his boys out to apparently disarm them one of his boys who he sends out and i just i couldn't get over it he had nunchucks like for real dude yeah like come on but so there's a scene with them and he 
they disarm him, they bring him in, and the guy has a whole speech, and then the guy who's the bad guy throughout the course of this movie, who's like the rival gang leader at this point, he, I did like that he was a bad guy. Like we've talked about before, I am wearing the shirt right now that you had come up with. It is bad guys doing bad guy stuff. And he Mm -hmm. did that in this movie, which I did like. But there's a scene where one of his henchmen walks up and he has this weird gait to his walk. And the the black guy leader says, hey, you got something something wrong? And he like knocks on his leg because he's got a wooden leg. And the guy makes this joke, which wasn't <laughs> all right. I dug that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Apparently, they didn't search them very well because there's this whole scene, the shootout scene, and it starts by them ripping off this guy's fake leg because it's a machine gun, and he's that. It's really comical because the guy whose leg they were, he's like hopping around on one leg <laughs> while they're shooting the people with his machine. The the other lead bad guy in this, yeah. the rival gang leader, he's like pulls out a pistol and is shooting people. But the black guy has like, eventually he's like, get him, get him, boys. And he has cars that rev out of cargo containers. He's already got like 30 guys. Who just disarmed this gang of like 10 men. Yeah. What do you need need cars in cargo containers for? Yeah. It was such a ridiculous scene. Eddie Black, by the way. I just looked it up. Eddie Black is the name of the the initial gang leader we see. Oh, my God. Like he. But the guy without a leg hopping around while all this is going on is it's just it makes the scene ridiculous. It's really hard for me not to just straight laugh at what's going on with him when they pan to him versus everything else that's happening. But immediately after that, you know, they kill all of Eddie Black's henchmen and the new guy in charge walks up and he does the cigar thing. He's got the the cigar clipper and he's the guys are holding him and he cuts off one finger. He cuts off a say he's making points every time he makes yeah. a point, making a point, cuts off one makes a point, cuts off two, goes to the third, and he goes, I've got seven more points. That was his third <laughs> point is I got seven more points. And the guy screams because he was trying not to scream. He was trying to be tough. Like he cut off one, he wasn't screaming. Two fingers, what? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm screaming at one. Like, let's be honest, chop off my finger. My I'm God. screaming at a, like a deep paper cut. <laughs> so he's trying to be tough, and then that was a good line. I've got seven more points is his third point. Yeah, Robert this Durant. This guy just knows he's boned. Durant. And For then, some reason, like, nobody's name stuck with me in this movie. Right? It wasn't, yeah, nothing nothing stuck with me in this movie. So, like, I know what they were going for here, and I know it's from 1990, but there are things that we've seen. There are things that we've seen from that time frame that are still really well done, that have practical effects, good mm-hmm. acting, and I didn't necessarily think Liam Neeson did a terrible job. I thought he did okay. And this apparently was his first of any action roles. A lot of people, maybe our viewers or listeners, I should say, are going to know him from action roles. The Taken movies, stuff like that. Yeah. My first introduction to him, which will probably be the next movie that we watch after having watched this, was Rob Roy. 
which I really have you seen it? Nope. Oh, that might be great then. I thought you were going to say Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So that was my first introduction to Liam Neeson. And uh, I had some some friends who were like, you need to watch this movie. And so I knew him from that. When that was five years after this, I looked it up. That was 95. This kid, this definitely came before then. And, you know, he's such he's such a young man in this. Mm -hmm. It's really it's something else to watch these older movies now. But him and Francis McNormand, they're having a, they're in a relationship. He's a scientist. She's a lawyer. And it shows this scene with them. And it's you could tell. I, I At least I felt that there's a, a document that she has out. She's uh, they're watching a movie and she's asking him how things are going with this research that he's doing. And it's it's still not working the way he wants it to. And so they they she tries to make him feel better by, you know, little, little nookie nookie time. They don't show mm-hmm. anything. This movie isn't about that. And that's fine. It was a really, really awkward scene. Like, that was the first scene where, like, the first thing I noticed was the sound design was very strange. The way it was mastered was very odd because I was wearing headphones for it. And I thought, like, oh, this sounds odd. But, like, headphones wouldn't have been a use case they would have thought of back then. So I'll let that go. But then there was, like, her, like you're saying, she's like, come over here. And he kind of, like, uh, I, I don't know, it's this very awkward exchange. He's like, oh, uh, what what do you want? Like, oh, why do you wear things that are so difficult to take off and stuff? And the the dialogue is just so unnatural. And it's so strange that you have these really good lines and like jokes and stuff. Like you're saying, Eddie Black. And they're like, oh, I was engaged to a one-legged girl. The guy's like, what happened? I had to break it off. Like, that's such a good joke. Um, they're like, I got seven more points. That's good. The, let's. Let's pretend you didn't. That's a good line. Like, there's a bunch of good lines, and there's some just such strange dialogue. <sighs> yeah, I had noticed. They're there the next morning, and she's on the phone, kind of talking business, and he tries to bring her a coffee, and he sets this coffee cup down on a, a document that she has, and it leaves this ring coffee stain on it. And I knew, based on having been around and watched hundreds and hundreds of movies, that's going to be a thing. And it ends up being a thing. But right after that, they like leave. She has to, I got to go. I got to go. He's like hugging on her on the bed. You know, he loves her so much. And they leave. And he's like running, chasing her down the street. And he's just like, well, we, I think, I think we should get married. And she's trying to get into a cab. And he's like serious about it. It's like, no, I, I want to marry you. And like worst marriage proposal ever. Like, what do you even like, is it because you're a scientist? Is that the why they're trying to throw this angle? It's that was terrible. Like, if you you want to marry your woman, you love her, then do something. Like, just as you're chasing her down the street, I, I you know, I I think we should be married. <laughs> it was, I, I don't even know. I just thought it was not for. You know, I just went through that, did the proposal. I just got married. That's not really the way, you know. You're supposed to put a little bit more effort into it. Even I more. think that. <laughs> even you. Even I think that. I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, this movie just explodes into... I I try to ask myself in these movies why things are happening. So there's a scene where she goes and talks to some business mogul, restate developer guy, and they're talking about this memorandum. Which 
is obviously the document that he coffee stained. Right. You find that out later. And he wants it because it can link them to some stuff, some shady dealings. And I don't really know where she plays in. She's not like calling the cops. She like goes to them first. And you, you realize that he's dealing with, uh, Oh my God. What's the bad guy's name? You mentioned it. Durant. Durant. So he's dealing with this Durant guy and Durant. He's telling her Durant's he wants this document and you know, you could be in danger because he really wants this. And then the next scene you have Peyton, who's Liam Neeson's character in his lab with his assistant. They're trying to perfect this skin growing. It's not yeah. really skin graphing, but they're, they're growing this skin to replace skin if you were a burn victim or there was issues, whatever. So that's that's this thing they're working on. And the bad guys just show up at the lab looking for this document. Like, what? Yeah, Why she says there. Yeah, she tells him, I don't like there's a scene in the office with the business guy where he makes right. a very compelling to me, a compelling case. He's like. Yeah, I had to make a bribe. Like, we're trying to turn Swampland into basically like a whole new city, jobs, opportunity, housing, all this stuff. He's like, sometimes you have to do these things, and I'm not backing down from that. He's like, I wish you hadn't seen it. And he's like, she's like, well, I don't know what to do about it. And he's like, well, if you just wanted to leave the room and leave your briefcase here, like something could happen to it. She's like, well, I don't I don't have it with me. So, but there's not, you're right. There's nothing that tells them that it's there. Yeah, and so there's the whole scene where it's it's the scene that has to happen because it's what it's what turns him into Dark Man. His hands get burned, um, his face gets all jacked up because of chemicals, which is also weird because the whole thing starts like they come in and kind of beat him up a little bit. Yeah, but then they say like, if you just tell us where the document is, we'll just leave. And he's like, I don't know what document you're talking about. And then they find it. Like, pretty quickly after that, they find it. Yeah. And then like, they just continue beating the shit out of them and, like, dunking them in stuff and all, all these things. So, what what I, what I didn't make sense is why the document was there. Why would he take that document with him to his lab? Because he wouldn't. Like, realistically, there's no reason for her him to take her documents that's obviously aligned with stuff she's doing to his lab. Except for... The director needed it to happen. It, it's what the movie needs to happen, yeah. And I don't... Uh, it's really it's really tough when they do stuff like that. It's really tough to look past stuff like that because it doesn't make any sense. Like, we're watching these movies and we're asking ourselves, well, why are they doing this? At least Durant, why is he doing this? He's doing this because he needs this document and he's a bad guy and so he's doing bad guy stuff. Mm-hmm. But why are they there? I don't know. There's no... Nothing has happened... It doesn't even show him like shuffling papers into a briefcase That's and it accidentally goes in there. Yeah, I'm thinking there's like a scene that didn't get included of him just like her taking her stuff and him grabbing up his stuff and he accidentally grabs her thing. But even then, how would they know where it was? Like, it's just weird. Um, well, go on. No, I mean, I don't even... <sighs> there's... <sighs> it's such a strange movie. So... He's brought to the hospital after this whole incident. There's an explosion. He goes through all this stuff and they're they're talking about like 
nobody cares about the homeless until they wind up here or whatever. And he's like in this thing that's like spinning him around. And he's in front of this woman who's teaching some kind of medical class or whatever, or whatever. She has residence or something with her. Right. And she like stabs him in the leg with this pin. She's like, see, he can't feel anything and blah, blah, blah. And like, clearly the doctors don't care about him. They're like, this guy's going to die in a year or two anyway. And he wakes up and just hulks out of that thing. And then the windows open and he's gone. Right. But my, my first thought when all that's going on is, all right, if you think he's a transient homeless man, who is doing all this work? Like that thing they're doing to him is expensive to do spinal surgery, to put him in all this technological equipment to spin him around for whatever. I, I don't even know what the point of it was. It would be to torture <laughs> me or Jeremiah. <laughs> right? Like, but he's, he's in it. And my thought is, why are you doing this? Like the only people who get this sort of treatment are rich people who can afford it. Yeah. Like you don't just take a homeless man who got burned in a building fire and do all this. Yeah. Unless they're specifically doing it to work on the, to perfect the technique of it, which that might've been the case. Let's go devil's advocate and say, that's the case that they're just doing this on him to work on the technique, to be able to perfect it, to use it as an applicable thing for real patients. So they do it to him. He doesn't have feeling. And they talk about, because you don't have feeling, you're getting these surges of adrenaline, and so you have heightened strength because of it. And so they're trying to describe things that are going to include giving him superhero-esque powers. Yeah. But realistically, throughout the course of this movie, there's not a lot of that. No, not there's, really. There's not a lot of superheroing that goes on. Some of the things that he does, I think, are clever. Like, he's using his mind to outsmart some of the people more so than using any sort of physical ability that he's been granted because of this, which I think is a more, that's a more standard superhero trope using my newfound physical abilities to beat up bad guys. And he wasn't really doing that. He was still using his smarts as a scientist and trying to, you know, using this, this new skin thing that he could, I don't know how he set up this whole new lab. After. <laughs> he he walks into his lab after the big explosion and everything is ruined. Yet he takes enough stuff like computer and monitor and things in a, he puts it in a cart and he, he goes to some abandoned factory and he starts this whole new, it's, it's his bat cave. Yeah. And he starts this whole new thing. It's his lair. And he gets, he's got those big, what whatever those 20 gallon whatever the the water big water jugs are that go in the the things in office buildings mm-hmm. he's got those full of these chemicals you know that can create the skin thing that he he uses it almost like in uh the mission impossible movies That's exactly what i was thinking right. somebody from mission impossible must have watched this movie <laughs> and they you know he puts on these these masks and he goes out and he impersonates these bad guys to be able, you know, for his own benefit, uh, to be able to circumvent what they're doing and to outsmart them. But I thought I thought that was at least clever. Mm-hmm. That he tried to do use what he had, using his smarts to outsmart the bad guys because they didn't know he was there. They thought he was dead. They didn't know anybody was out to try and stop what they were doing. But uh, some of it this was 
I don't want to say it was a hard one to get through, but I can't. I also, at the same time, can't say that I liked it a whole bunch. It was really inconsistent. Yes. I I remember liking this movie when I first saw it. <laughs> and this time around, it, it was a little bit tough to get through just because a lot of the stuff going on didn't make any sense. Why did Eddie Black have guys in cars, in crates, boarded up, like ready to go? What And what was the trigger for them to come out? Because they were in a crate. He verbally said, like, get him. I mean, I guess the gunfire, but there was gunfire going on for a while before they came out. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought that, too. Like I said, there's really good dialogue. There are these moments like there's a moment where he's frustrated. And rather than like smashing up his equipment or doing stuff that like somebody would normally do, he like goes and smashes up boxes and he puts like a funnel on top of his head and starts dancing around. He's like talking to this cat that's there in the factory and he has this moment where he's like losing his shit for a second. Then he sees his, like he sees his reflection and he thinks he's like, I'm a scientist. I can do this. Like I got to control myself. Like there are moments of like good self reflection. There's also moments of him being like, what am I becoming? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, and moments where he ends up being able to see his girlfriend again because he can make a, a thing of his own face, but he can only ever be like his the skin, the artificial skin only lasts for 99 minutes, right? It's a problem they established really early on. And it adds this kind of cool thing that he can't just go back to his normal life. He can't just impersonate somebody else and just be them forever. I like that about it. I like that. They give him that limitation. Yeah, that was, that was nice. That was a nice thing that they put in there. And the scene you mentioned where he's smashing boxes and dancing around, he's, he's all, he's going through this thing where he's like, I'm a freak. And the thing that I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that triggers that is his hands. He has yeah. this moment of self-pity and he cries, they they took my hands. But he's been using his hands yeah. the whole time. I don't think that's the same scene. I think that's a different one. It might be. But that moment of self-pity, he does have... he's, he's crying. They took my hands. I'm like, you've been using your hands. They and took he, everything. And- like, you're burned. Yes, yeah. but you're and not, it's not like your hands are cut off and he's realizing he doesn't have hands. He's right. been using them and then cries that you took my hands. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, his like bandages catch on fire. Right. And he sees it and he's like, oh, and he's looking at it and he puts it out with like a blanket. Yeah. And then he starts doing that. And I thought the same thing, like it, it hasn't been a problem for you before or after, but he has this like moment where he breaks down a little bit. It, it's super weird. It is super weird. And there's so many moments like that in this. Yeah. There's so many like over the top campy cheesy things. It, it's too cheesy to be really like a, a movie that would appeal to adults, but it's way too dark to be something that would appeal to the kind of person who would respond to the type of humor that's in it. Right. Yeah. I think that's, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's really fair. Because there is really good. The the main thing I remembered from it and the biggest gripe I had with it the first time through was the very end, which, like we said, we were going to talk about the whole thing. So go ahead and stop here now if you don't want to know exactly how the very last couple scenes play out. But he's on that uh, construction site like he's on the the steel beams. Right. And the, the main bad guy who's behind all of it, he's holding him. 
and the guy's telling him like, I know you, you're, you know, you can't let me go. Like you can't live with that. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. This guy has been killing people the entire movie. Like, like this first day he was awake and out of the hospital, he was killing people. What are you talking? I like that is a trope that happens in a lot of movies where like you like the the hero just mows down enemies and then they get to the end and somebody's like, no, you can't do this because you're not a killer. Yeah. It's like, have you not been paying attention? But but in a lot of the modern movies, they they actually will stop to be like, no, you're right. I can't kill you. I have to lock you up or, or help rehabilitate you or whatever it is. In this, he just like closes his eyes like, mm, and just drops him. Yep. The guy's like, could you really live with that? And he drops him. And then he's like, I'm learning to live with a lot of things. And I remember that line from watching it the first time. I'm thinking <laughs> like, that's a good line. A good line. <laughs> like, I'm, uh, it's another thing. It's like, this was like the darker, grittier take that just had some weird humor stuck in it and some weird effects like like him. Hanging from that hook, there's a whole like helicopter chase scene. Oh god, that helicopter chase scene Jeez. where he gets onto this hook. Like most of the effects are practical and they look good, but there's a point where they're like dip him and they dip the helicopter down because he's hanging off this rope, and so they like put him into traffic. And there's a scene where he's like like running oh, like god. a Looney Tune on top of one of the trucks, and it's so ugh, it's so there's, bad. There's so many scenes that just hurt. Okay, so. Since you brought that scene up, yes, he he's going after Durant. It's towards towards the end of the movie, end-ish. And however, he gets this cable and hook to come off this helicopter and it's hanging down there. And throughout the course of events, he is knocked down and he, he falls and he grabs the hook and he's hanging on it as they're flying around on a helicopter. Now, they come across another helicopter that is a police helicopter. This is or could have been a two birds, one stone moment where they just fly him with this cable into the rotor of the other helicopter. He dies. That police helicopter goes down and they don't get chased by said police helicopter because they just downed it. They end up later on in that scene. Durant shoots it with a grenade launcher and blows it up. So it's like they're not concerned about it. But if you want to fly him in, like he's on a hook, fly him into a building. They do. Yeah. Okay. Right. Into the, eventually he goes into a building, into a glass building, fly him into a stone building, like not glass where it breaks. And then, you know, the people in the office are all freaked out. And then he gets pulled back out again. Like fly him into some buildings. If you don't want him to be there. It, it, uh, there's just things that go on in this that I don't know why some of those decisions were made. Like we know Sam Raimi as a director yeah. has done some things that are, that are great that are really, and maybe this was, you know, cutting his teeth, learning curve, whatever, you know, growing pains for him as a director, but just things that happen in this that just weren't great. Yeah, I think one of my favorite scenes, like one of the scenes that legitimately made me laugh was the pink elephant scene where he's like, all right, I'm going to win you this problem and win you the biggest, pinkest stuffed animal in here. And then I got to run. Right. He's like, I got to go back to the hospital for my therapy or whatever. Um, 
so he starts throwing the balls and he's missing and he's getting upset. Like he see, he wants to tell her like what's going on with him. He wants to, you know, all these things, but he's like, you see these emotional things happening to him. Right. Yeah. And then when he's throwing the balls, he's getting upset and he throws him. And the guy is telling him like, now nah, you're over the line. You don't win the prize. He's just like, cover the pink elephant. His voice keeps getting like deeper and deeper. And the guy pokes him in the chest and he grabs the guy's fingers and just, like, it's just a rubber glove or whatever that he's holding, but he just twists him back. And then it's this thing. The camera comes up, and it's the carny. Ah! And then it pans over, and Liam Neeson yelling, too. And then McDormand yelling as well. Like, just this little, like, weird, like, brrr, just pan around for a second. They're all just standing there screaming, looking down at this guy's hand. It was so, like weird and campy it looked like something out of an snl skit or even like worse a mad tv skit <laughs> <laughs> and it, there, there are just so many like moments like that i mean there's a good movie in there and there's so many good moments maybe i saw I a cut that didn't have a lot of the really goofy stuff in it somehow no i think there was just the one i I don't even know if I agree with that, man. I don't know if there's a good movie. I, I, I think there was intention to have a good movie. It just didn't come together. Like, mm. I know what they were trying to do. But, and Liam Neeson, as I said, did an okay job in this. But he's not Michael Keaton. He's not Jack Nicholson. Like, he they, you don't have what you had in Batman in 1989. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there was... There was not a lot of enjoyment to be garnered out of this movie. So I think there's actually a Darkman 2 that was maybe a straight-to-video thing. Oh. Um, but, let's see. Sequels, there was a Darkman 2. Oh, my God. Okay, there were there were three. Oh. There was Darkman 2, The Return of Durant, which I don't know how Durant returns because Durant like crashed in a helicopter full speed into a concrete bridge and exploded. So that's interesting. Unless he comes back as another dark man, then there's dark man three die. Dark man die. Those are from 95 and 96. So I was about to say I was going to pitch my own movie, but there's already dark man three. Okay. So dark man four, he perfects the skin. He fixes himself up and then he goes on the road to find our nomad land McDormand like shitting oh in a God. bucket somewhere in her van. And he's like, it's me. We can be together. I'm fixed or whatever. And then McDormand comes around or not McDormand. Durant comes around with his like Walker. Cause you know, it's 30 <laughs> something years later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all right, Hollywood. You heard it. You heard it here first. <laughs> God. I mean, I'm accepting checks. I can give you a PO box if you want <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't even okay so I, there's, I think... a, there's a scene in this that i wanted to mention okay where she hasn't yet figured out that uh or okay. i'm sorry she has just figured out the peyton is back but doesn't know any of the behind the scenes of it yet it's she's still kind of wool over her eyes as to what's going on with him and she, she goes to the, who ends up being the big bad guy, the developer guy, who mm-hmm. wanted the memorandum originally that had the coffee stain. And so she's in his office. She's like, hey, we got to stop seeing each other. And I don't didn't feel like it was ever a 
he was there to try and comfort her in her grief because she just lost Peyton. Uh, which just you know, there's a there's a scene where she's at the funeral of Peyton, and there's nobody else there. Yeah, we have no friends, no family. It's just her. Did she have no friends and family to go with it? Like nothing, which it, was a little weird. But anyways, it might just be a super low, but like super low budget movie. Honestly, <laughs> like, I mean, it really could be maybe, but she's at this guy's office and she's trying to break it off with him. And we're talking like a month at minimum. A month has gone by since the explosion, since Durant took the memorandum and this big bad guy who she's trying to break up with has it sitting out on his desk. She finds it. And there's this whole scene where she's like, are you, are you going to kill me now? No, I'm not going to kill you now. I'm just going to wait till you leave and then call my henchmen to come and kill you. Like it's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry. As soon as you get that, you don't throw it into your fireplace in your mansion and burn it. No. Cause that's what you do. You get rid of it. You don't, Keep the one piece of evidence that can take you down. It's sitting just, out on your desk in the open. Yeah, it's utterly ridiculous. And things like that are really hard to overlook when the rest of the movie isn't good enough to make me overlook it. Like sometimes you can. Sometimes you can overlook small little things like that when the rest of the content that you're, you know, in taking is good enough to warrant it. This wasn't. I don't know in, in why, what world you were like, yeah, let's watch Dark Man. The world where I saw this 20-something years ago. <laughs> well. The world where I watched it on VHS as a, like a kid, basically, and forgot about it afterward. And then I was like, hey, yeah, I remember some good lines in that movie. Yeah, very Batman vibes, very comic booky in terms of like the stuff that's happening and the over the top scenes and the weird weapons, like having nunchucks as a like concealed weapon, like oh, knuckle, geez. like brass knuckles and all this stuff. It's so, so odd. Um, yeah, there was some odd stuff, man. There was some not great stuff in this movie. But as you said, there were some lines that were okay, some things that were okay, but overall. This See, is not something I'm going to run back to watch again. Maybe this is like the intro to Liam Neeson being in revenge movies. Cause that's what taken is taken is. is a series of revenge movies. I mean, not to give away too much, but basically the movie I want us to watch next, Rob Roy with Liam Neeson, uh, kind of a revenge movie. Okay. Like if I'm honest about it. All right. Well, I don't have much to add to that. I I really wanted to hear what you had to say because, you know, you weren't sure if you had seen it before. I have seen it before, but it's been a really, really long time. I still kind of like some parts of it. I like I like the concept of it a little bit. I think there's something that you could do with that. And I think the writing was good in some ways. I I almost wonder if there was like some kind of reshooting going on or something like that that could explain the weird inconsistency in the way it was written and filmed. Apparently it was partially written by the Coen brothers hmm. who Sam Raimi knows. So that might have been where some of the good stuff came from. But like this... I, I think what really resonated with me when I saw this was like the movies I was used to were like the 
Christopher Reeve, Superman, Batman, stuff like that, where usually the hero was trying to do the right thing, you know, even into like the, uh, Oh God, I can't even remember who did him, but the later Batman movies, the one where, you know, where Tim Burton wasn't directing anymore. So it'd be Batman forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah. Like even as goofy as the, like those were super goofy. Like those were, they were like memes of themselves from day one. Yeah. It was, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is two face and Jim Carrey is the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. They were Arnold Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. They were, they were rough. And Pamela Anderson as, uh, or no, Uma Thurman. Wow. That would have been a different movie. That might've been a better movie. She might've made a better poison Ivy. I mean, Uma Thurman. anything's possible. Why did I say, Oh, I know why I said that because the character name is Pamela Isley. Yes. That's why I was thinking Pamela. Yes. I've had a long day. <laughs> we're recording fairly late in the evening for when we're yeah, we'll this. go with that. Um, but yeah, like compared to those, this is a little bit more grown up. We, we didn't have the like grittier superhero movies. This was like back when a superhero movie would come out and it's like, Oh God, how bad is this going to be? Cause Hollywood doesn't know what they're doing. Like they just do not know what to do. It's like, it's in the book. There's 80 years of comic book. Do what's in the book. Don't do anything else. Don't mess with it. Don't change his mask to sunglasses. Don't put them all in leather. Don't draw abs on his costume. Just do what's in the book. No bat nipples. No. Oh, my God. And then they just can't help themselves. So Dark Man was like, yeah, he's doing like he's just getting it done. I mean, yeah, I thought some of the ways he got it done. I liked it and they were clever, but it was because he was using his intelligence to do it versus any of the quote unquote powers that he got. Yeah, there's even there's even the scene where where Durant shows up in the helicopter and they're shooting at him outside, but once he gets inside and he realizes they have to come in after him, mm-hmm. like he's looking around, he's like, oh, oh, and then he realizes that they're just going to come in on foot, and he's like, oh, like, you guys are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> he even, like, starts laughing because he realizes what he's going to be able to do. Yeah. Like Some, of that, a, was, some I mean, of that was clever. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, we, we always come down to the same thing in, uh, in our movies, Halligans, and that's, is this a watch or not a watch? Ryan, what say you? You introduced this movie to us for all of our listeners out there, for the four of them that we have. So <laughs> how? What, what do we say? We call this a watch or not a watch? I would say probably not a watch, honestly. Uh, I remembered this with rose-tinted glasses. Well, I appreciate your honesty, sir, because this is an easy not a watch for me. <laughs> like I, I wanted it to be better. I remember, oh, oh Dark Man. Okay, I remember when that came out, and I was really hoping for more than what we got. And as I said, there might have been some clever things, a couple of decent lines, and I even think uh, Liam Neeson did a decent job of this, you know, or with this character. And they really I do, tried to do something with it. Yeah, they tried I, to make it a. They tried uh, to set it up to be like a franchise. I don't know about that. They, they tried to make this character. As, I mean, yes, at the end of it. And just so you know, the end of it might have been one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Because he First runs away kid. from her and she's like running out in the street trying to find him in whatever mask that he picked. And she pulls this guy and it's not him. And she turns this other guy around. And it's not him. And then you see him walking away and he turns around and it's Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Bruce Campbell for the win, baby. Heck yeah. That was great. <laughs> young, super young Bruce Campbell. Yeah, very great young. To see that. 
But no, this is entirely not a watch for me. It just, I know what they were trying to do and I can appreciate it. I just don't think they pulled it off in the manner in which they really wanted to. And so it's, it's a movie that is kind of hurt by the time frame. Some movies aren't. There's movies from this time frame that you can watch, you know, a Godfather or something that comes around in that time that was regardless of special effects. It didn't need special effects. It was just a good movie. Mm-hmm. And if I even if I take away, and some of them were hard to get past. They just did not look good. All updated, high res. Didn't look good. It's the way it was. But even taking that away, and I can. I can separate that from this. Did I still enjoy the story? Did I still enjoy the decisions the characters made and the way everything ended up culminating at the end of it? No, no, I did not. So I did I, like Liam. I did like Liam Neeson's performance. Mm-hmm. I think he did a good job. I wanted to say that between yep. like the loving, like innocent dude who didn't do anything to anybody. Yep. And then after all this stuff happens to him. And he goes through all these horrific things like he's a different person. Yeah. Like even when he's allowed to be himself again with his girlfriend, he his voice is a little different. His mannerisms are a little different, like different enough to let you know that there's something going on with him. I mean, I know it probably doesn't require like the greatest actor in the world, but, you know, and I'm really just saying that because there's probably somebody out there like, all you got to do is act like, you know, drink a couple of cups of coffee and then go on screen and you're going to act a little weird. It's like. But I liked that that was there. His voice sounded a little different because his voice was messed up when he first came out. Mm-hmm. Like his his behavior was a little different. Like I just really enjoyed that. The other thing that I have a criticism of <laughs> is the fact that, and I kept finding this funny, the fact that they were trying to find this document and then eliminate anybody who was in contact with it because they don't want anybody being suspicious of this like developer guy. Right. So the solution to that, the way that they're covertly taking this guy out is by flying a helicopter with guys with machine guns and grenade launchers shooting at an abandoned building, then going down the highway, going through a city again, shooting and launching grenades, shooting down a police helicopter, blowing up multiple civilian vehicles on a highway blasting dark man through the window of a building where he's like, good day or whatever he says. And then gets like (laughs) flung back out or dangling him in front of traffic. And then yeah, their helicopter getting blown up in front of a, in front of a tunnel. That was their covert way of dealing with this. I mean, I think they realistically, I, I might argue just for argument's sake that they tried the covert way first by finding him in the lab and then blowing that shit up. Whereas when he got blown up in the lab, he is first of all, she's standing right outside the lab blows up and she just kind of is, she's startled. She's yes. slightly startled by a major, she's not knocked down, nothing. And he goes flying out the window. Yes, I love that. too. I don't think he goes that he just like goes out the ceiling or something, but he's like, Boom, like a like a cork out of a champagne bottle. Right into the bay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I don't know, man. This oh, so this was a Liam Neeson joint. <laughs> uh 
the next movie we're going to watch now. And I made as soon as I started watching this within the first five minutes of this, I was like, all right, next movie. And it was on my list anyways, is going to be Rob Roy. So you all can look forward to that. And I hope this is going to be, we go from not a watch to a watch with Rob Roy. Cause I really like that movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So I'm a little worried now. Did I watch it with some rose-colored glasses back in the day? Am I going to yeah. watch this now and be like, oh, this is not quite what I thought that, it, that I remembered that it was. I'm a little worried now, man. Why? <laughs> I don't know why you're making me be that way, but it is. <laughs> I might actually go watch the other Darkman movies. Don't, don't do that. Just to see what they're like. I might watch a couple minutes of them. There are very few movies that I couldn't make it through. Okay. No, I walked out of Cocoon. My okay. brother took me to see that, and I was way too young to grasp any of the concepts that they were trying to hit you with in that movie. And I was like, um, can we leave? And so we left. And the other movie was The Thin Red Line, mm. which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned in other uh, episodes that we've done, because it was right after Saving Private Ryan came out, which was amazing, epic. It... it really blew me away in so many different ways. And this was billed to be a movie like that. And all I remember seeing were five minute shots of cameras, like panned up in a forest trees and foliage and more trees and more foliage. And be like this, I am not, Hey guys, do y'all, y'all ready to go? And we just <laughs> up and left. Could not do it. All right. One more comment. Bring it. As I was seeing that helicopter battle, I realized this might be where Marvel got the inspiration for their sky battles at the end of every movie. <laughs> Is that where? I think so. But that's all I've got. Are you ready to end? Yeah. Not all a watch right. from you. Not a watch from me. Yeah. That is what it is today, fellas. All right. And if you guys do want to watch it, and you want to tell us what you think, or if you're a fan, or if you've seen the other two, you can let us know what you thought about those. You can reach us by email at moviehowl at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter at moviehowl. You can indeed. This was this was another movie that Ryan and I watched mm-hmm. and told our thoughts of it to you. Done that. We, we have done that. So I do hope you enjoyed it. Uh, our ranting, our raving. As always, we super appreciate Anybody who listens, if you liked it, whatever, let us know, as Ryan said. But otherwise, I've been Joe. I've been Ryan. And uh, y'all, thanks again, Holligans, but we are out.